I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Bill Gramos from Homemaker Central. Welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, Mark. Lovely to be here. Founder and CEO. Tell me about Homemaker Central. Oh, Homemaker Central is um, something that I'm really excited about. It's um, basically what we did is we created a digital version of a Homemaker Supercenter. You know, the e-commerce place is, is, is you know, is, is, is a pretty busy place and, and we wanted to bring uh, bricks and mortar retailers and give them the opportunity to come together, create a bit of muscle you know, as, a, as, a, as a collective and take it to the online-only, digital-only sort of um, retailers and vendors and yeah, multi-category marketplaces. Where the point of difference is, I suppose, is that it's exclusively for bricks-and-mortar retailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really, really good reason, really good reason why you go into a shopping complex and they're all there. Yeah, yeah. And that critical mass creates a go-to destination. Yeah. Plenty to see, plenty, plenty to compare, browse, right? And we created that online with quality, like I said, bricks-and-mortar retailers as opposed to online only guys. But your your background at one stage, you know, working in Paddy's markets. Um, that's where it started. Well, well you had a, had a market store. Well, like, yeah. Know, that's the big, you know, that's one of the very, very early marketplaces. Um, and in fact, let me go back now. Uh, we never really started having proper shopping centres until the late 60s. I think the first one was in New South Wales at least, was a place called Roselands. And then uh, Banks on Square, those yep. two sort of sort of went alongside each other. But that was the first example, I mean, of a proper marketplace where you go into a, a shopping centre. That's right. And every – well, that's not every shop, but most shops were there. And that was a great experience because uh, I lived around that area and uh, I remember going in there. But probably prior to that, in terms of food at least, the marketplace was the markets. Yeah. Paddy's so markets. That's right. And in the old China, Chinatown, well, yeah. I think old is still there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinatown, now hay, hay market. Hay now market. it's yeah. out of Flemington. But like yeah. I used to think it was a great experience um, as a kid and there was lots of characters there. Oh, plenty of characters. Lots of characters uh, and but lots of choice. What did you learn from your well, – what, what, first and foremost, what did your, was your experience in the Paddy's markets days? Well, where, where did you work? What type of store was yeah, it? Yeah, so the way it started for me was that I ended up at the age of about 13 and a half or thereabouts um, working for this guy who was a, uh, a market trader um, selling men's clothes. Right. And my mum thought it was a great idea to go and get some real-world experience, right? So, um, you know, I went to the markets working with this guy. His name was Frank. And, in fact, the first market I ever went to was in Pitt Street, Waterloo. 
and that was like a pop-up one on the street. Right. And you turn up on Saturday morning and you set up and everything else and they have the trestles there and tables. Oh, yeah, and, like those, yeah, yeah, those sort of markers. By five o'clock it'd be packed up and gone, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you had the other more established ones like Paddy's and, and, and yeah, they were Fairfield, Penrith had one, Caring Bay had one, then the drive-in and they were all everywhere, yeah. right? But the big ones were obviously Paddy's and what have you. Did that for a few years with Frank and then I decided that, yeah, look, the markets are fantastic. The energy is unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable well, you right? go there, as a shopper, you go there for the energy, by the way. They had the spruikers there and the runners in the crowd and everybody's thinking they're getting a bargain the whole time. The guy's putting their hand up and the guy's working for them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get 20 bucks out of you, right? So, well, and you're going to get changed and as you walk out, they, they grab the back of your jacket. And it always looked like it fitted you perfectly. You're looking in the mirror and then they're holding the back of the chair. That's good. That's good. That, that, that was one of the first tricks that Frank taught me, right? Because you, that was a clothes trading right thing. And uh, anyway, it was, um, it was a fantastic experience. It's raw. It's real grassroots trading. Yeah, but there was no alternative yeah. either, by the way, for marketplaces. That was it. There wasn't no a shopping centers. They were just starting. Um, they they just were starting. starting. Yeah, look, by by then we're talking about the mid, uh, sort of early eighties. Oh, right? no, early eighties. So there were shopping centers by yeah. then, right? What there wasn't was homemaker centers. Right. right? They came along in the early nineties. Right. So you'd have you know in in that homemaker sort of game. Furnishings. Norman Ross was around that. Norman Ross was around yeah. and they had their stores, but they're all standalone, right? Yeah. So they're either on precincts like, um, for example, Parramatta Road at Auburn. Yeah. Famous for big, bulky, good sort of furniture retailers up and down the strip, um, but actual shopping complex, that, no. Yeah. Um, and then they came along in the early 90s. So when yeah. we started and we launched Deco Rug in 93, even at that point there wasn't a proper homemaker centre yet, right? And then they sort of kicked off about that time. Deco Rug, rug yeah. was your business. Yeah. Where was Deco Rug? Would you were you a retailer selling in say Harvey Norman or Norman Ross in those days, or where did you? Yeah. So one step back in terms of how it came about, um, you know, from the markets. I actually at the age of seventeen, I started. I went to my dad, and my dad was working as a sales salesman at a um, Manchester giftware store, um, and he had contacts with regard to, with suppliers and things like that. And I said to him, you know, see if you can get me some consignment stock. I don't want to keep working for Frank. I want to do my own thing. There's no reason why I can't trade at the markets on my own, right? Um, so he came to me with a couple of options and I decided on on, on the rugs. You know, I had a, funny enough, I had a choice of going with phones, which were cordless phones at the time, which was something fantastic, and or rugs. And, you know, obviously I wanted to do the phones. It was new, it was exciting, it was technology, right? And, you know, it was, they were cordless, right? And he goes, no, no, you don't want to do that, my dad said. I said, why is that? He says, they don't work very well. You speak, you spend three, you, you step three feet away from them and they cut out and people keep bringing them back. I said, well, I won't be doing that. That's how I ended up getting into the rug game, right? Just by that. And what period is this? Sliding moment thing. Um, 83. 83. So yeah. you, so rugs is, is freaking me out. Like, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's not why, I mean, it's not something a normal person would do because I mean, how did you know about rugs? Like, uh, didn't know a thing. At the time, there was two products, Mark, right? Just two. One was a cotton. De- what we call decorator rugs, right? Yep. Um, that was made on a machine loom that came out of Brazil. And the other one was the Greek flocati rug. Mm, the that fl- was the two products. Flocati, right? I remember those. Okay. So they're the shaggy things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked at Grace Brothers Rug Department, so. Okay, well, yeah, you're all over in the it, 70s. Right? Yep. In the and, 70s. It hadn't changed much. Well, in the 70s, that's the flocati was very, yep. very popular. Huge. Which was uh, like a long, maybe shaggy, long wool. goat's hair or something. I don't know Correct. what it was. But the soft undercover, it wasn't yep. hard. That's it right. wasn't woven. Yeah. Uh, it was it was wool or through. There's no backing. Yeah. It was just like a soft yeah. cottony thing at the back. Yeah. And it used to slip on the floor all the time. Of course. 
Yeah. I remember the Flocardis. Yeah. They still sell Flocardi, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. Flocardi, yeah. yeah. I remember those well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. And uh, But we also sold at Grace Brothers, like, uh, Persian rugs and we sold yeah. – uh, but no one ever bought them. And we also sold, uh, like, wool rugs, like – but like a traditional looking wool, yeah, woven again, woven. something out of England, you know, like uh, yeah, and they're expensive. I've seen recall they were, as were the Persian rugs and things like yeah, that. Yeah. People didn't have a choice back then. That yeah. you're either really well off and you could afford these, yeah, yeah, you know, you know these works of art. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's they what they were, were yeah. right. Um, and then the machine made stuff started coming along just when I started. Hence those, you know, cotton ones out of Brazil. And which ones did you sell? What, what just those two? Just the yeah. the, the Flacati. Yep, and, and, and those cotton ones, which yeah. were all affordable, right? Yeah. They were, they had, there were three designs and four colours. I mean, that was it, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now there's, it's endless, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they've advanced with production technology. It's, it's a fantastic, right? So you were, you, 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 were, were you selling the Deco rugs at the market? No, so what we – yeah, that's right. So when I went out on my own, I didn't go with the phones, I went with the rugs instead simply because there was two suppliers who could give me wanted to give me consignment stock and the idea was finish school on Friday – Drive the car down there, load it up, go to the markets on the weekend, turn up Monday morning before school, yeah, unload, divvy up, and come back next week. Yeah, consignment stock means you didn't buy it; um, they you just you sold it for them at a, at a at a markup or at the price they wanted, and they paid you a fee. How how that work? They booked the product at, at at whatever the wholesale price was, yeah, and whatever I sold it for, I made the profit on. I just didn't have to physically pay for the stock up front. Yeah, you didn't have to right? buy it. That's right. You just bought it effectively when you sold it. Correct. Yeah. yeah exactly like, right. So yeah. if, if I come in to buy one, and but at the end of the day you sold nothing, just return the stock. You, you, they yep. get all the stock back. That's right. And you owe them nothing. That's right. You just all you had to do is you put it, invest in this was your own time. That's right. Potentially there's some risk there, and you had to pay for the store. That's right. Or the the, the yep. rental of the space. That's right. Wherever you were. Yep. Yeah. Spot on right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And how old were you? I uh, hadn't turned seventeen yet when I turned up to the markets. I yeah. didn't even have a driver's license actually. Yeah. Had a friend drive me. Yeah, first yeah, day, yeah, and he didn't like the early morning start. Right, we kicked off at four thirty in the morning, so you can queue up and get your stall and everything else. And the next week, I had to drive myself. So you started. So how many rugs you kick off with? Like, uh, oh, whatever I could fit into the sixty-seven Valiant. Yeah, so probably not many. Yeah. Probably like <laughs> half a dozen, or a dozen or something. Basically, took out the back seat and loaded up whatever we could. So your first day, yeah, uh, or your first weekend, what was that like? Um, even though I'd worked at the markets for you know, two or three years before that, like with Frank, right, turning up on your own, it's you, you instantly go, okay, I'm familiar with this place, I know this place, right? But doing it on your own, you know, you're being you shit scared. I'm talking to the owners of the um, the um, the markets, the, the guys yeah. who give you the stalls for the first time directly, right? And the idea is get a good stall, get one, number one, get a good one, so yeah, good position. Then. That's right, absolutely, and then. Rush in, unload, set up, get the car out, trade all day. And you go there the first day? Oh, rubbish. Didn't do a thing. Didn't sell one. <laughs> yeah, it's rubbish. And, and at, at what point did this start to pay a few dividends to a young 17-year-old bill? Mate, with, within two months, two to three months, right, from memory, um, I was making more money than my dad was. Right. So you were, right. So you were selling quite a few of these. Yeah. At the market, you learn real quick. Yeah. Real quick, right? Or you die. Yeah, that's it. It's, did, what, did, what did Bill become like a sprue? Did he start? Yeah, hey, get it. Did all you? that ticketing, negotiate, do deals, Yell, whatever. Scream. Pay the, whatever you had to do. Did you trip over right. as a war pass? I mean, uh, not, short of that. Short right. of that. But I mean, you know, like you had to get their attention. So absolutely. I mean, today you get the attention through Instagram, but like or social media. But how did you get their attention? Like, what what did you? Do you remember any little things? Wait, I learned something. Yeah, I learned something, and we repeated it all the way through, right? And it's motion creates emotion. 
Right. But, you know, you've got a stall and there's no barrier, right? It's literally a line drawn on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. And outside of that, there are hundreds of people walking past. And inside of that is your stall and nobody's there, yeah. right? So, you know, you've got to get them in there. You've got to get their attention. So what we used to do is we'd pretend we're selling something. We'd, we'd pretend we'd made a big sale. We'd make commotion. We'd make some noise, right? Yeah, yeah. And I got that from the Sprukers who used to be absolute salespeople through and through and showmen, right? And all it was all about engagement. And that's where you learn those lessons and you learn. So we'd get people's attention. You'd look at the time and you're going, okay, this is not going well today so far, right? You get their attention. All of a sudden, you got somebody in, somebody follows them in, and you'd be amazed. Once you get a little busy, you get very busy. Right. Once you're quiet, people look at it and they go, oh, well, nobody's shopping here. Why aren't they shopping here? It's either too expensive or the stuff's rubbish or it's no good or whatever. So, you know, if you don't have a buzz and a bit of motion, you can't hook them in. See, that's so the start. That's, I mean, that's why the same as how we operate on social media today anyway. It's all about engagement. Absolutely. And you've got to make some noise. And the principles are the same. principles are the same, just yeah. the platforms are different. Yeah. So you, let's say you've got a bit of motion and you've got a bit, you know, in other words, you made a, a bit of movement inside yep. the shop or the stall and you were getting people coming through. Obviously, you're doing quite well at, after a few months' time. But what, how did you work out whether or not you had the right product? I mean, and at what point do you start to expand your product line? Uh, where do you put pressure on your consign or the person you got your stuff from. Hey, give me some new stuff. I need something different. Oh, those conversations happened all the time. But in this particular game, there wasn't that much. Yeah. Basically, as product came on the market, because they were just developing synthetic yarns and then production mills and things like this, and they could produce all sorts of things, then the, the product basically was coming online progressively, right? right? So the more things that came online, the more you could offer, right? Um, and then it just exploded at some point. Um, with synthetic yarns and things like that. Did you stay in the markets for long? Yeah, absolutely. We um, we actually started the markets in 83, launched Deco Rug in 93. In between that um, time, we basically um, picked up a number of markets with my dad and my, you know, one of my brothers was um, helping out as well and got involved and then heavily involved, you know, throughout the market sort of operations. So we had markets for, for a while. Um, and we also then went and opened a couple of, a couple of shops the first one of them was in Bexley North and the other one that I opened myself was in actually on Oxford Street in Bondo Junction. And they were there to support the markets really because if we wanted to sell big ticket items, we customers wanted to know that, you know, if you don't turn up next week and the stuff's no good, what am I going to do? But if you've got a stall, get them a lot of comfort and it, it immediately increased our Credibility. Sales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we did that and then we basically high street stores like that, right? We had a few like that. We only ever had three or four at a time. But they had a very, very small lifespan in the sense that, you know, the demographic was very, very small. People would go to that shopping strip, like at Bondi Junction, for example. It was the locals. It wasn't the old days with a huge Westfield there. It was just the locals going there doing the shopping. And once they bought an item like a rug, for example, that market sort of is diminishing over time because the lifespan of the product simply, right? Yeah, yeah. You need a, a broader – you need to cast your net a lot broader than that, right? So – that brought about Decarug, which we launched, like I said, in 1993. And that was more main road. The first one was in Parramatta Road at Five Dock. And then Homemaker, set, homemaker Centres came on board. Um, and you went into Homemaker Centres? Yeah. So you, you were the one out at, um, at Surrey Hills, and not Surrey Hills. Uh, Moore Park. Moore Park. Yeah. We were yeah. at Moore Park for an, quite a number of years. We are at um, Caring Bar, still are to this day. There's a Decarug store there. It was, you know, we were one of the first ones in there, in fact, on the day that it opened. I remember that, you know, there was, the place was a ghost town. Um, and now it's, you know, 
I mean, homemaker centers are fantastic. They're, you know, it's got everything for the home. Customers love the environment. The, the good thing about that sort of sector is that customers really invested in their homes, right? Um, and they love styling, decorating. It's almost like a hobby. Yeah, thing. yeah. And it's it's definitely that, an Australian thing. Yeah, when you create that environment for them where they can browse and compare and shop and everything else, that, that's that's homemaker centers. That's homemaker centers, rather. Right? It's funny. Um, I remember he's late. He's dead now, but passed away many years ago. But old Sid Londish uh, set up the homemaker center in um, Moore Park. That's right, and, uh, and that wasn't even a proper homemaker center at the time. It was I think it had some fashion in it. Yeah, it had we, bits and we, pieces in yeah, it. Yeah, that was the first one, right? So we, we and it was at, a big deal. Like um, huge. I, I remember when he because uh, I remember he borrowed a lot of money for it, and uh, there was a lot of talk around town that this is not going to work. Sid was a, a bit of a pioneer in um, in terms of developments, retail developments. You know, he really was a pioneer. Yeah, old Sid. And I remember thinking about, is this going to work? Because you're right, it he, he, he just wasn't a proper, just wasn't just a homemaker centre. It had a bit some other bits and pieces in there because yeah. it's hardly a tenant, so you've got to put, take whatever you can get at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, well, It was ahead of its time, 100%. It was totally ahead of yeah. its time. It was one of the first. But now it's just homemaker. Yeah. And you've got big brands there like Huge. you guys, yep. Freedom, Harvey Norman, yep. Bing Lee, they're all there. Everybody's Everyone. there. Yep. So what is the advantage of a, today, if you look, go back and look at it, what is the advantage of a, just homemaker vendors in a homemaker center. Why do people flock to them? What do you reckon is the psychology? They're focused on the home. Everything you want, everything you need for the home, right? And like I said, the, 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 you know, that house proud customer, you know, house proud consumer is, you know, really invested in their home. And the fact that they can go to one location and see everything, but the important thing is that they can compare and browse and make a informed decision. Right, so let's say, for example, you want to buy a bed, right? You go to a place where there's three or four retailers because you don't, I mean, how many times do you buy a bed in your lifetime? You don't know much about them. You can hear all the advertising you like, right? But at some point, if you can, as you narrow down your selection process, if you can browse and compare and understand value for money, it makes makes your decision making much more much easier. Right? You can touch it too, like you can probably lay in it. Something yeah, especially yeah. Over, I think um, if we just pick Sid's old <laughs> joint, there there are two or three um, bed companies there. Freedom's one of them, but like you can go. And, you, oh, they're all there. Beds and Dreams, for example, yeah. is also on on our platform at HomeMakerCentral.com. Yeah. yeah, they're in all the homemaker centers as well. I I, 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 like, I'm, I just want to go back a step because. I understand people want to go to one place, place to get that, and they can make comparisons. And I can I can understand they want to check this price against that price. Um, they like to feel like they've made a few comparisons before they make the big decisions about like a bed's not cheap. Yeah. You know, it's, as you say, you might only buy one every 15, 20 years. So it's not a thing you do all the time. But why? I'd like to just go back one step. Why are we, and does this happen in other countries if, to, your, to your knowledge, why are we so mad about making our home a certain way. I mean, what is it that makes us so interested in this shit? Like, it's, it, it's your haven, Mark. That's well, where you live. That's where your family is. Why that? Why us? Why, I mean, is it, is it the same anywhere else in the world? Or is there any studies on this? I mean, why psychologically do you think it's so important to us? I, mean, I don't know that it's exclusive. Yeah, we're anything special in that regard, right? I think that that's, it goes much broader than that. I think that we, you know, we just love our haven. It's your family, it's your safe place. How you style it and how you decorate it needs to be comfortable. It's a reflection of who you are. We're just invested in our in, you know, in our living space, in our in our home. It's I mean, do you think that uh it's a security thing for us? I mean, do you think it's about us showing off to 
people who might visit us, our families, or let's say all the migrant migrants who come here. You know, we're pretty much a migrant migrant country. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, we are a oh, migrant are, country course, yeah. um, for a couple hundred years. Um, is it about us feeling a bit insecure and as migrants, largely turning up here as either convicts or migrants? Without any qualifications, doing our best to to reestablish ourselves from wherever it is we left, and your surname being Gramos, so I'd say there's some someone's left Greece, yep. and they've come here at a certain point, probably with nothing, and they had to reestablish themselves. That's it's right. no different to the Asian people coming here today, or sure. the South Africans so, who came here yep. in the '90s and 2000s, reestablishing themselves. And we all felt like we had something to prove, and we want to make it as nice as possible. I mean. We, you know, because it's important. Yeah, look, I, th- I think, I think, I don't, yeah. Having something to prove and all that, yeah, that's arguable depending on the personality and the character and everything else, right? I think there is for sure a sense of pride. I think that a lot of the buying decisions, and this goes back to sales psychology, which we did a whole, you know, we do it in the Decorug days, did a lot of training around that and sales strategy and things like that. We had a whole program for it, right? But it goes, it comes back to pride and it comes, and, you know, those buying decisions that we make, and it doesn't just end in the home, right? What you wear, Car. what you drive, right? It's got to, it's a reflection of who you are. It's a reflection of how you want to, you know, of who you are. And, and, and but it's about us. Yeah, but Bill, is about, I mean, I, I mean I, you know, obviously I'm not a psychologist, but I'd just love to get your opinion. Is it about who we are for ourselves, in other words, how I feel, yep. or is it who we are for others? I think subconsciously it's a bit of both, yeah. Because, you know, if, if somebody, let's say you just did something at home, you know, whether it's new furniture or you, you know, did some landscape or whatever you did, right? And you've got some close friends that come and, they come and see you and you visit and you're in each other's house and visiting and, right? Once you buy something new and you show it off to them and you don't, I'm not saying, you know, you do a whole song and dance and show it off to them, but they come in and see it. It wasn't there last week, it's there this week, right? And they say to you, oh, Mark, I love your new lounge, right? I love what you've done with the living room. It's great. You feel good about that, yeah? Because I've often wondered about this. Like, uh, you know, do we do it for ourselves? Is it something, do we really care? Well, it goes back to that thing about if nobody could see you driving, would you go and buy a Porsche, right? It's, yeah. Well, because it's a great bit of machinery, I would. Oh, Porsche. That's what I'm saying. Like, I've often wondered about, from my point of view, and Mm. this is a survey one, but it's, there are, there is a certain feel that I get in, Depend, it can be, let's say I went and decorated a house today with stuff mm. that represented an era in my life, say the 60s. Yeah. So I made sure I had a, a record player. Yeah. And I had a pair of, you know, Audio Technica record player and Audio Technica. Yeah, the, the thing where they could just call them pick up or something. Yeah, and the, yeah. the same with the yeah. little box speakers. Yeah. And, and, that, and I just wanted to represent an era for myself. Sure. Um, I wouldn't care what anyone else thought. I mean, I, it was something I just wanted to do because I, I love that era because yep. and I'd want to buy records, for example, to put on the um, stereo system that fitted in with the lounge that reflected that era because those records reminded me of what my mum used to play, for example. Yeah, gives you a bit of comfort. Gives yeah, you, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. It's just a nice feeling. Sure. Um, or is it, do you think, um, people, because that's the pride for me. Yeah. I'm proud of I did this and I achieved this outcome. Or... Do you think it's more what's more prevalent though is people feel pride because when they invite someone to their house, someone maybe compliment them? I don't think that people consciously make those decisions. We're not that showy, right? Generally, 
right? But you do take the compliment. You feel good about the, your choices because you know if you you know if we're friends and your opinion matters to me and you know you, you go, oh, mate, love your new car or you love your new lounge or you love right. I'm going to feel good about that. It's much better than saying, oh, Bill, what were you thinking, man? This is shit. Yeah, yeah. Right? What's, yeah. Right? What's that velvet lounge and that, that, and that um, <laughs> right, uh, so, hush pile? Uh, yeah. What do they call them? The hush piles? What were they? Uh, 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 the, po- uh, the big uh, carpets that you used to have in the Oh, 60s. the plush pile. Plush pile, yeah, plush, yeah, pile. Yeah. plush pile carpet. Yeah, um, still lose your what the hell are you doing yeah. there, Mark? Yeah. Like, uh, right. But, uh, yeah, it's funny because I think if I, if someone walked into my house and I, on that example I just gave you and they, and they immediately recognised it as a 60s look, yeah, that would be good for me. I would like that because I said, yeah. oh, okay, I got it right. Like they got it. Yeah. Um, not many people would because I mean people remember the sixties, but you know, like if they walked in and saw that and they said, oh, "That's a oh, sure," and, and, and you nailed the look, and they yeah, go, yeah, "Wow, yeah, this yeah. is so cool." You're right? probably right. You're probably right. I probably would. I yeah. would think that's good because so, I'm I, I'm always interested in the psychology of people like you for in relation, to, say for example, Deco Rogue, the psychology of how you stock, how you present yourself. You know, in these days, yeah, people and, would do that and, on Instagram and stuff like that. But I mean, back in those yeah. days, you had to have um, your people, your salespeople, understanding the psychology of the people who walking into the shop and what they want to yeah, get out of it. That, that that's a really big thing, right? Um, and it goes to, you know, who are you as a business? What are you? What are what are your values, right? And getting people who understand your values and your goals and your objectives and your principles and and align with that. Right. So would you pick so their us, values? The, no, values? They, we've got to pick the, the people. We employ people basically based on their attitude. And no, but, no, but would you, would you, in terms of determining your values, Bill, do you, you pick the values of the consumer? So you adopt their values and then you say, these are our values to your staff and or do you, or do you go out and establish your own set of values and then hopefully consumers will align with that? If we, uh, Values in the sense of how you do business or what you're doing? Yeah, right? what you're so, doing. What right. are you doing? Okay, so we happen to be in the floor covering game, right? We weren't rug traders. We weren't well, selling rugs physically. That was the product, but that's just a means to an end, yep. right? What we were doing is helping customers decorate and finish their home. And feel good. Right. right. So once you relate to that and that becomes fundamental to your values as a business and I want to put a smile on your face when you come into my store and that's my sole sort of driver and then the product itself, we'll find something that you like. And if we don't, I hope that I've done enough to sell you on me, right, and at my business that, you know, six months' time or 12 months' time or you tell your friends or whatever the case is, right, come back and that's how you build, you know, a good reputation and build your business. So, the you know, we used to say if you can't sell product today, make sure you sell yourself, yep. right? Once a customer comes into contact with us, whether they buy or whether they don't, and this is back in the Decorug days, right, and those values sort of stay true all the way through anyway, the, um, is that, yeah, they should be sold on you. And they should be able to tell their friends. And the idea is what we were talking about before people coming into your home and saying something nice about you, right? In in training, in the training workshops, and I've run hundreds and hundreds of them, right? <clears throat> Personally, like, you know, proper sales workshop training things, right? We'd say for everything that you sell, it ends up typically in somebody's living area. People who come to visit that, that, that customer of yours, they typically, especially the close four or five friends, they typically see that. And they're going to comment. And who's going to comment? Our female demographic is typically the the, the, the buyer. And yeah, you know, they buy something new. They talk about it. All that sort of stuff, right? In that conversation, if you've done well enough, and you've put the customer first, they're going to talk about you too. That's and how that's I, bought this, I, right? bought the, I bought this at Decker Road. Yeah, and from Bill, yeah. from Mark. Yeah, yeah, right. You should go and see him. How about you do this for your? Yeah, you, know, you know that rumpus room that you've got. You know, and we'll go there on the weekend. That's the best outcome. Yeah, go with you. I'll introduce you to Mark. You know, 
book. Yeah, yeah. That is that is yeah the desired result that we're chasing all the time, right? And when it comes to customer satisfaction, that's so, best practice. Absolutely, right? And that's the sort of stuff that we focus on. So it was not about the product as much as what the product will do for that and the relationship that you build through that. So it's 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 that, that customer sort of relationship and you relating to that customer and going back to your values is about making sure that I put a smile on your face all the way through with regard to not only interaction but the care that I put into you getting it right. Okay, I want to migrate this now, Bill, from Decker Rug, yeah. from that experience and from because we've migrated from – your experience in the markets yeah. to Deco Rug the stores. Now from Deco Rug the stores, I want to migrate that to Homemaker Central, but I'm going to go to the break and come straight back and we're going to start talking about Homemaker Central. I want to know what the thesis is behind that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm back here with Bill Gramos and we're talking about the thesis or the proposition behind Homemaker Central. Now, Bill's already told us it's a digital environment. It's an online marketplace. I get all that. Um, he invites doors to get onto the website and, of, of course, he then markets to consumers and Bill does everything on the in-between. But what is the thesis around why it should be successful? So why should Homemaker Central be success, successful. What is your thesis on that? The whole idea of Homemaker Central was to create an online digital shopping centre. Right, so you know we commonly call them marketplaces, but basically we function like a shopping centre. So we have retailers who've got a physical store presence, so it's exclusively for bricks and mortar retailers, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you, give me a couple of examples of those: Barbecues Galore, Beds and Dreams, Shack Furniture, Osman Outdoor. Right, we've got seventeen of them on at the moment. Right. right, so barbecues cool, good example. I mean, yep. place I've been to physically. Yeah, they have their own website. That's right. Yeah, but they, but barbecues cool. Generally speaking, are sitting in homemaker shopping centres, correct, or things like that. And if I'm going to go see one, I normally have to go there uh, physically. Go there, but you all got them on your digital environment. Yeah, into into your digital shopping centre, so to speak. Sure. Okay, that, that and, okay. and why would I go there? Okay, so going back to we mentioned shopping centres earlier, right? So you might be going into that shopping centre specifically to see barbecues galore today. Yep. Um, because you want a barbecue, for example, right? 
But walking through that mall, walk, walk, walking through that centre, you might get dragged and left and right, you know, and, and, and yeah, you're, you're attracted to something or there's something that you need. You might have been a new a chair that you found yep. for your office. It could be something, you know, just something as simple as cushions or it could be anything to do for the home. They're all there. And all you've got to do is walk into that store and have a look as soon as something grabs your attention, right? You'll still get the barbecue. That's why you're there today. But you might walk out with a lot more, right? So that sort of dynamic that's created in those shopping, physical shopping centres is what we've created online. So it's, yes, you have you have, have um, um, the barbecues there and the outdoor furniture there, but the way uh, Omega Central navigates and the way that it's set up is that you can shop by retailer, specific, uh, so each retailer has their own store on the platform, or you can shop in the integrated categories, which you shop by product, you shop by room. So let's say, for example, you're shopping for your living room, right? It might be a sofa that you're looking for, but you'll also see the wall art, the rug, the lamp, the coffee table, and everything that you would possibly fit into a into a living room. And we create design boards around that as well. Um, you can create your own design boards or professionally curated ones, which we which we commission and have on. What, what's a design board? It's basically a professional stylist who puts together the whole look, everything you need for that room. Okay, so I, I go to your website. Yep. How do I get one of these design boards? Tell me how that works. Oh, basically, it's 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 you'll see the navigation tab at the top, and you basically click on that, and they're all themed. Like for example, you might have a bohemian themed bedroom, right, yep. or a Hampton style living room, right? Yep. So our professional you know, our stylists have put together packages. Yeah, everything you need. It's basically their idea of what makes a perfect, you know, yeah, 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 Hampton style, like a typical right? type. Yeah, of, yeah. Or, yeah. And so, and you could take things out, but you know, you can basically copy that whole to whole whole design board to your design board. Everything is shoppable. You can add things in, take them out, and they're all from different vendors, right? Again, going back to the physical sort of experience where you can buy. The lounge from Shack, you can buy from Shack Furniture, you can buy the rug from Decker Rug, for example, or Najaf Rugs, who's one of our vendors with some beautiful Persian rugs we were talking about earlier. You've got lamps, you've got you know, from different vendors, you've got anything you think of, coffee tables right, from various vendors, and you check out all in one. Right. So you just buy things to the checkout, put them to the checkout? Put them in your cart and you can check out all in one and, yep. then, and then basically the orders go to each vendor and they fulfil. Yeah. If you're shopping specifically for barbecues, then going back to your example, and you go in online and you go, okay, barbecues and barbecues galore come up, it's only barbecues you're going to see. You're not going to see anything else to do with some outdoor furniture perhaps and what have you, but you're not going to see anything else around that, in and yeah. around that. It's in isolation. And that's where by creating Homemaker Central, the idea was give these retailers a, some muscle and a leg up in terms of creating a powerful collective of brands that people know and trust you know, in the one online destination. Create that broad product category um, spectrum where 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 they can see everything for the home in a one location. This is why some of the big multi-category marketplaces are doing so well and keep getting market share, taking market share away from the physical retailers because there's so much product on there and that audience, that customer base is so invested in their home that they're always looking for something, you know, for this room or the bedroom or the lounge room or the outdoor, whatever it is, there's always something. Whether it's you know, stuff in your kitchen, whatever it is, so they so so they so they really get involved in that in that shopping experience, right? And that browsing experience. An isolated specialist retailer who just sells outdoor or you know, floor coverings or bedroom furniture or bedding or whatever the case may be, they are a long way down that sort of process um, that sales uh, path where you're specifically looking for that. You go in and you get out and what have you, right? 
but the broader experience for that for that for that customer is much more appreciated in that they can see all sorts of things. What's new? There's tips. There's there's tips rather. Style blogs and all sorts of stuff that they can really get involved with. Do, and do, do, do you Bill? Do you run a risk? Do you run the risk that people come to your website to browse, yeah, and check everything out, and then okay, I found this. This is the barbecue one, or this no, this is the lounger one, or this is the rugger one, and I know, I'll, but I know I'm going to go straight to the store, yeah, and buy it, or, and they can go directly, yeah, yeah. Or do they run the risk? People go into their store. Lay all over the bed. <laughs> this bed is the one I want. I go to Bill's. I go to the marketplace. Um, home make a central. Home make yep, a central. Yep. Yeah. And I'll. I know the one I want, but I'm going to find the one I want at the right price. Yeah. Which where? Well, I mean, which one do you think well, is correct? Uh, here's the thing, right? If a customer goes into a into a store and they're not ready to make a buying decision yet, right? They're still browsing and looking. They're going to end up. If they're going to end up online, they may as well end up in a in a shopping environment where they can show their partner or whatever the case may be what the different options are and do that in the convenience of one destination. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also, you know, further to that, we also offer incentives such as rewards points. Uh, well, we've got a rewards points program. Right. So customers earn rewards points on everything that they purchase yep. and they can spend it on any retailer, right, with any retailer on the platform, yep. which sort of you know, helps that engagement as well, as well as all those other soft sort of things like design boards and everything else, yep. right? But well, the, these these are the incentives to stay on the website and to go back to the website. Yeah, but the important thing to remember is that this is just another touch point for these retailers, putting them in front of a, a qualified audience. It's not instead of, it's not in place of, it's yeah. as well as. As well as. So right? your job is to get an audience. Yeah, absolutely, your, and promote our retailers. Okay, so how, how do you do that? So Homemaker Central, how does it build an audience for your vendors, your retailers? Yeah, typically through marketing is the short answer, right? Marketing, advertising, promotion and customer engagement. And we need to continually do things for customers that they're going to find value in. Um, and for example, though, like oh, digital, I mean, obviously the rewards, digital. The rewards points being one. Yep. But how do you tell people but, about that? How do you build awareness? I mean, that that's a, that's a good thing, but what's your awareness program? Unless they go to your website, do you, yep. do you use Instagram, which goes straight to the website? You know, yeah, so so digital marketing, we actually, you know, our marketing, we actually launched in November, only started marketing. Oh, last year? Yeah. Only, okay, it's only, it's only live, yeah, just gone live, right, essentially. Um, we only started marketing in late Jan and that was a little bit hit and miss with the digital marketing that we were doing and we've gone sort of a little bit backwards in terms of old school, back grassroots stuff and, and we basically have a um, mainstream media coming up. Um, in fact, I just reviewed the TV commercial just before I left the office this morning and it looks awesome and look, I'm really impressed with what the guys have done there. So uh, jingle, uh, I make a central jingle. Once you hear it, you won't forget it, I'll tell you, right? Um, TV advertising, radio advertising, and then as well as all your digital, right? Right. Because so, so TV still works, especially absolutely. for this sort of stuff. And good for branding and credibility. Yeah, totally. Right? totally. I mean, like, yeah, you're yeah. fair income. Like, we initially, and this is where I said you we started marketing in Jan and it was a bit hit and miss. Why? Because it was just digital. Because yeah, everybody yeah. kept saying digital and, you know, me sort and of you thinking. Some, you do main, so, mainstream. Yeah, sometimes you think you're out of touch, Mark, right? So you're listening to all these geniuses and experts and they're telling you do this, do this, do this, and you go, oh, mate. I they all work, yeah. but if you want to get a brand out there. Yeah. As a destination. Yeah. TV is still the most powerful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's so, also most expensive too. Yeah. It's got to be part of the mix. It yeah. has to be part of the mix. But um, in terms of getting customers, it, it's 
marketing in its entirety and it's about good engagement on, on platform once they're there, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and that is through the incentives, through the whole experience and the different customer engagement issues that we have. One of them that we're really proud of actually and it's, going, you know, it's been really well received is that we've got uh, a magazine, a digital magazine that comes out every quarter. It's called uh, HM Central Life e-magazine and we've got articles in there promoting um, some of the vendors and doing some backstories. We've got wellness articles in there. Uh, the latest winter edition has about, you know, staying fit and healthy and well through winter. Um, it's got some recipes and cooking. It's really well put together uh, and um, customers are loving that as well. So it's it's as well, you know, it's a shopping, yes, but it's also the engagement experience and that community that we're building around it. I feel like this could have been a COVID project. I think I feel as though this is something that could have uh, been um, had as genesis in during COVID. It did to a point, right? It did to a point, but well, the sort of always, you always were going to do it anyway, were you? Yeah, yeah. It was always it was always about why are we as a specialist retailer, for example, and I was still with Decorag at the time, right? When, right, um, um, and you're going when people go searching for a particular item, they've got to be very specific in order for me to get noticed. Why can't we create an environment like we do in a shopping center? Do you think every time Decorag make a sale in a, in, in a homemaker center? It's because the customer went there specifically for them. If that was the case, they wouldn't be there. They'd be paying, yeah, you know, top-notch rents. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Right, yeah, it's picking up rent. Yeah, it's picking because they're marketing for you. Well, it's picking up the the the, the, the impulse buyer yeah. who you know the, you might have been number four, number five, number six on their list. They didn't they, they didn't leave home today to come and see you. They maybe they left home to come and buy a TV, yeah. right? And then they go, love it. So right? there's a sale on. Let's go in, have a look. Yeah, and that's homemakercentral. Yeah. Dot com. Dot au. In its in its conceptual, you know, as a, as a concept, that's where that comes from. So, given you know, you probably took a year or two to get this. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of build in there, a lot of um, IT build in these things. Yeah, like big big um, digital yeah. stack. Retail was off the Richter scale in terms of the COVID period. Just, when it reopened, or yeah, online, online, and yeah. then reopening as well. Sure. Obviously, we had a big inflation now because people just went and spent too much money. I mean, to retail especially. Now we've got our, you know, Reserve Bank governor hammering the crap out of the country. And I guess a lot of these things are discretionary spends. Not Absolutely. Yeah. Where are you seeing things? Is is it being affected by the current economic state, especially cost of living having gone up so much as well? Yeah, look, the cost of living is through the roof. Obviously, you mentioned the RBA in the interest rate. I mean, that's off the scale. That's, you know, does, it affect, does it affect business? Absolutely. Like, do, you, do you see it? Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. talk to retailers. All, I talk to retailers yeah. directly all the yeah. time, right? They're all they're all feeling it. Yep. Right, and and it's and it's yeah, they're all feeling it in a, in a significant Where way. Where do you think it's going to land? Where do you reckon it's going to end up, mate? Uh, you know, I lived through the recession of the eighties, nineties that we had, and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, and and you get through these cycles. We haven't had one for a long time. Yep. Right, and but it's it's going to be tough. There's no question about that. And I think that's again where Homemaker Central can support and help retailers by creating another touch point for customers. Yep. But aside from that, in terms of economically and, 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 a, and a business perspective, if the banks keep doing what they're doing, like if the RBA keeps doing what it's doing and indications are that they're going to go a few more times, I mean, I can't believe that they've gone that many, right? It's just nuts. So you're, you're getting right. feedback that people are doing it tough. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what, are you for just, all, do, all retail. But do you get, I mean, I, I guess um, the Reserve Banks are responding to inflation, but inflation's a 
combination of goods and services, yours is goods as opposed to services. Yeah, I don't know so much that our retailers, for example, or any retailer for that matter, is banging up prices because inflation's gone up. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's a result of costs. Gone up. You've gone up, right? Yeah, yeah. So whether that was transport, whether transport went through the roof, the, you know, the import shipping um, yep. went, went, went off the roof, you know, went nuts in post-COVID, right? Yeah. So that was a factor that affected pricing, right? Um, and there are other factors as well all the time. But the, the, I, I don't know. The key factors now, and we call it cost of living, is not the result of a retailer banging up prices. It's a result of the power going up. Yeah. It's right? services. It's, so the yeah. basket of goods and services, the things that are going at the moment are the services. They're not products. So we're experiencing, you know, rents going up. Yeah. Uh, restaurant going up. That's considered a service, not considered a good. Um, aviation, like flying holidays, sure. all cost hotels all gone yeah. up, uh, yeah. you know, gas prices, all those sort of services. Yeah, you mentioned rents, right? Yeah. A lot of these leases that retailers have and I've had, had you know, heaps of, you know, over the years, right? We had you know, 30, 30 plus stores at, you know, at one stage. And, and um, um, if, you're, if your lease is fixed at CPI or sometimes CPI plus one or whatever the case is, right, well, guess what the next increase is going to be? Hmm. You know, this is a 12-monthly review, right? Well, yeah, it's going to smash them. Eight percent increase is a lot. Smash them yeah. on the rent, yeah. compounding, yeah, right, and yeah. it'll go again the following year, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. These are the things that are that are hurting businesses, and then and then in addition to that, the the, the on a household level, right, when your um, mortgage has gone up, and we talk about a third, for example, is mortgage holders, right, and a third are renters. Mm. What do you think is going to happen to the renters if the mortgages have gone up? The rent is going to go up too, well, which yeah, is what's happening, right? Obviously, right, which is exactly so. Two thirds are going to be under the pump, yep, right. Yep. They're going to have less to spend. Yeah. The power's gone up, right? The fuel's gone up. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to impact on their retail spending, which is exactly you know what's been designed. So, when you guys work out the cycle, what what are you thinking? How long do you going to have to hold oh, fast, mate? You'd be, yeah, you know, you're better. No, what do you guys think? You're, you're, you know. you're the cold face. I mean, we have our theoretical, yeah. uh, quantitative, analytical sort of analysis, but you're at the cold face. I mean, how long do you, do you think? That people can last before, after which you know everything just falls apart, and the Reserve Bank has to start dropping interest rates. What are you feeling, and what are you thinking? Look, consumer spending, uh, or what they call consumer confidence, is obviously taking a hit at the moment, and it's simply because the money's not there, right? People are doing it tough, right? Um, I think that I don't know how long it's going to last, Mark. I, you know, there's no way of knowing. It depends on how long the RBA keeps putting pressure on, and how long we keep down this path of higher costs and utility costs and things like like that, right? These are all factors that affect the household. So if the household's doing it tough, discretionary stuff that you mentioned before, discretionary discretionary items are going to be just that, right? People are going to shelve and pull back, yeah, right, and say, "Well, wait, right? How long it lasts? I've I've I have no idea. Hopefully, not too long, right? From a retailer's perspective, there's always going to be customers out there. Uh, you got to turn up every day and smile and make their day, right? Um, the biggest thing that I've seen, even in good times, is yeah, and it's even more important now as the pie gets smaller, it's customer engagement, right? How many times have you gone into a, into a store? Maybe not you because you're obviously well-known and, right, but uh, for me- I go into stores, yeah. Sure, store. but no, I'm saying in terms of people's reaction, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You go into a store and they ignore you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They don't, they're doing something apparently more important than servicing a customer. I still get ignored, don't worry about that. <laughs> and I get annoyed too. So, yeah. Not because you're a customer. Yeah, yeah I'm here to buy something. Yeah, okay. So you go in there and within a few seconds, you, your instincts tell you whether you're buying there or not yeah. or whether you're spending time there or not, yeah. right? And we keep telling um, um, sales 
people right, on the shop floor, right, before you can sell, you need to buy time. Yeah. How do you buy time? Engage. Yeah. Look the customer in the eye. Be happy with the fact that they're there, right? You have to jump all over them, but acknowledge. And don't go respect. and ask them, how's your day? No. Because I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you know, like with their business, how's your day been? Oh, my favourite my favorite, my favorite is uh, they go, um, hi, how are you today? Can I help you? Right? Two yeah. questions in one. Don't yeah. want the answer to yeah. either of them, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's like, <laughs> my God, like right? it it's, kills it's, me. Yeah. So, uh, but what, Brain dead stuff, right? Bill, we're running out of time. So I just want to ask you, where, where are you up to? Are you guys raising money now? Where, 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 in your journey, where are you guys at now? Yeah, so we launched, like I said, in November. We had a um, angel come on board in October last year. Yep, angel investor, yep. Yeah, with a decent size check. It was great. Um, and now we we need to scale and do the marketing. You yeah, said, how do yeah. you get people there? Eyeballs, yeah. right? You need to generate traffic, yeah. and we need to improve our um, um, always seeking to improve our customer engagement um, and provide more value, and yeah, um, and that sort of so thing. So you but, you guys are on the marketplace now, like going and talking to investors. Yeah, just yep. started. Yeah, I just started. It's um, it's obviously not a great time to be doing it given because there's not much liquidity around. There's, there's not a lot of no. there's not a lot of checks around at the moment. No, I'm sure there isn't. And, you know, we've talked, we, you know, we've touched base with a number of, and I'm a novice in, in this area, right? I'm a retailer through and through. I understand that game really well. This fun cap raising stuff is, you know. And what do you pretty do? engage with someone to do it for you? No, we're, um, well, yeah, obviously always talking to people and everything else. I haven't engaged somebody specifically. Yep. Um, and the, I, you know, trying to navigate our way through that and find what the best sort of channel is. Um, crowd, um, equity crowd, crowdfunding is one option. Um, that we're thinking about as well. Um, talking to a number of different firms, some of them it fits within their mandate, some of them it doesn't, some of them like it, some of them don't. It depends on what it the appetite is. It depends on how much is. money you're raising too right. because a lot of times if you're not raising enough, they don't want to handle it. Cause yeah, it's funny. You know, it's how much is to raise, and how much is not enough? Well, right? it's easier so, to raise ten million than it is to raise raise two million. Yeah, should be that's asking, how they should think. be asking for more. <laughs> that's what they say. Well, that's generally because the reason for that is because they don't want to spend the time on two because they're going to get you know, some between six and ten percent sure. fee. Um, they take this take the view that it's, they're going to spend just as much time to raise ten million. And yeah. six to ten percent fee on ten is a lot more than six to ten percent on two million. Yeah, for simple maths. Yeah. So, um, that, that a lot of times they don't do this, the the smaller deals, the two million to three million deals. In sure. fact, a lot of them have a five million dollar cutoff uh, before they will even go and try and get checks for you. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a hard time of liquidity right now. Um, yeah, for sure. The question is, do, do, I mean, the question I think is, do you say okay, just lock down things? I'll just lock down things and wait for things to turn around. And when wait for liquidity to come back in the market, your market. No, I'm not talking about consumers. I'm talking about you know funders, investors. Yep. Or do you just say no? I'm going to be a standard here. I'm just going to keep keep plodding along, trying to get investors. That, that that's an interesting question. I never known the answer, the right answer to that one. Whether or not you just close up shop. I don't mean stop your business. I just mean stop trying to raise money. Yeah. Or do you continue to raise money and um, just annoy the shit out of people and just keep knocking on doors and you know, hopefully, at some stage, you'll you'll you know, you'll nail the right person. Um, what do you think is you're going to do? What do you guys think? Well, I think do? we'll keep uh, pursuing it because it's important for the business to get scale. Yep. Um, I think that's the best thing for it. It's the best thing for our vendors and and allow us to number one um, bring on more vendors as well, increase our marketing, increase our you know, our product if you like, or our platform with through consumer better engagement and everything else. Even though it's pretty good, it's always you're always going to tweak and 
yeah, yeah. Make, 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 make improvements to it. Well, you do too. So yeah, we, it does for a start like that. Yeah. So, 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 mate, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one for taking a backward step. I've been through, you know, the, the ringer in the past with businesses and the highs and the lows and the good and the bad and everything else, mate. You just keep going and, and um, swinging for the fences. So. Just one, one foot after the other. Yeah. Keep swinging for the fences. We've got a good product. It adds value for our, for our vendors and our retailers. It adds value for customers in terms of experience and, and, you know, um, uh, the whole sort of, um, shopping, extra discounts and all the bits and pieces that, yeah, customers appreciate. And Bill, is there a proxy anywhere out there in the in the world that you guys are equivalent to or trying to emulate? No, we're, in, we're, we're the first in Australia. And anywhere else in the world I'm talking about, like in the US or something like that. Everybody else back and do doesn't know of anything like this, right, where it's – it's, it's not really a marketplace. It's not really an online digital, uh, online-only retailer. It's actually an e-shopping centre. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about our business and Homemaker Central is that we can take that model, build it out here, you know, get it firing and, and put it into other markets. Do you have gift cards? Um, we got coupons. So you right? can have a Homemaker's – I can go and buy for Jess a Homemaker Central – Coupon gift card. Yeah, give it to a we, we're actually introducing proper gift cards shortly. Yeah. Right? but we got we got we got coupons and things. Oh, what yeah. we're going to do with the coupons? If you remember in the old days, they used to have these coupon books that used to, yep. yeah, and used to have all these savings and all yep. that. We're going to be introducing oh, something like oh, that. It's as a way well. of saving for Christmas presents or whatever. Yeah, and it's and, and it's a way where you can you know depending on what you're interested in, you can get yeah you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of discounts and special offers just for you because you're a classic member. Um, we've got a membership program as well, and and we're going to roll out a higher level one shortly. Um, there's a lot going on. It's really exciting stuff, right? Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. And and you know the idea is um, for you being part of that. I make a central community, and as a classic member, you get all these special offers and special discounts just for you, right? And it costs you nothing to be a member. And of, and, so. and and just finally, but what is what, do your model? Do you take a clip, or, or do you take a, or do they rent a? like a digital space. I mean, how does it work? Yeah, at this point we charge nothing for vendors to onboard, yeah. right? So we do all that at our expense. Yep. Um, that may not remain the case in the future because yep. it's obviously a costly experience. Um, Excites to get them on board. Um, the, um, there's no ongoing subscription fees or any fixed cost for, for retailers, right? So there's actually no risk. And in this market right now, we said about things being a bit tough. It's the best thing, right? Costing nothing to get on board. There's no fixed cost. You don't sell, you don't pay. Right. Have, but All we do is we charge a commission right. on the sale. Right. So it's like, so success-based. It's, like, it's like consignment. Nearly. Well, I suppose it is almost, isn't so it? So you're right? going back it's to a, the very it's, – it's a, it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a success-based model. Yeah, really. so you've gone back to the very beginning, but it's now digital. You're basically yeah, doing what you, yeah, yeah, right. what you do when you're 17 years of age. Yeah. You're now uh, – effectively you're consigning – they're consigning to your – Digital website or your website. Well, it's their store. Their products. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's their store. It's just another location but, for but, them and they don't pay any rent. But they're consigning their store to you. In so a sense, they're, I they're, suppose, they're, yeah. And you're just saying pay me commission on whatever you sell. Yeah, and if you don't sell, it doesn't, doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, prepared to take, I'm prepared to back myself and take the risk, yeah. which is what you did when you were 17. Bill Gramos, good luck to you, mate. Good Thank to you see very you. much, Mark. Love to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.